You've probably heard a lot about fish oil. It's one of the most common supplements available after all. But have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it? The simple answer is yes. If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified. Fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled, and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides, and polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, are removed to undetectable levels. Plus, our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only 3 to 6 months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be 3 years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code OMEGA3s for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show. For me, I feel like just number one off the bat, if they have a messed up period, go to the gut first. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, again, you get to hear from Dr. Hannah Anderson and Dr. Calla Jane Clean. This is part two of a two-part series. If you haven't listened to part one from last week, I encourage that you go back and listen to that first, where we discussed female anatomy, pros and cons of birth control, and how important informed consent is. This week in part two, we'll continue the discussion with how we can support women on birth control, what non-hormone birth control options are best, and share non-toxic feminine care products, and lastly, how to detect female hormone imbalances. Let's get started. Let's go back to kind of the direction I think you were going, CJ, as far as, well, hold up, let's like reverse and first even decide if birth control is needed and like what other options exist. So let's go there. If patients really don't need birth control, they're just looking for a solution to their symptoms. So first, let's just talk about, I guess maybe this will be a quick one. What are non-hormone birth control options? So for women who, let's say they are in grad school, they really don't want to have a pregnancy until they're done with that. What are some non-birth control options, in your opinion? So I was going to joke and say abstinence is always, you know, step one. That's, mm-hmm. that's a great birth control. But male condoms, but 
for the females, because I feel like this is so much more uh, female oriented. There is a device called the FemCap. Steph, I don't know. Have you fitted women for these? I, I haven't. You you asked me that before, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I haven't. Well, I haven't. now because of the wonderful world of telehealth, you can get this. So there's a website and I don't know, Stephanie, if you want to publish it, but it is a device that sits over top of your cervix and you can place it. So kind of coming back to that conversation that Hannah does so well in our girl talk, she really explains the anatomy so, so well, but so many women like haven't even felt their cervix. And, you know, they're like, I've, I've been putting a tampon in forever, but I didn't know I could feel my own cervix. And so the idea of putting a fem cap over top of their cervix is like this really foreign thing, but it's really not that hard on that website. They have a beautiful video that shows how it's placed, but it's good for 48, uh, up to 48 hours. Um, so that's nice because you can take it out, you can sanitize it and put it in. But if we were teaching women how to understand their cycle and to know where they're at in their cycle, we can show them how that they know their body is ovulating. So one of the things that Hannah does is she's got the Lady Comp, um, which is a hyper-specific body temperature analyzer. And so our body temperature will spike, which I don't know if Hannah, if you want to get into that on the days of ovulation, you're very you're more familiar with that than I am. But you can kind of see. So I like explaining to women that there's the fertile window and then there's the ovulation window. And sometimes websites and podcasters or health coaches will use those interchangeably, but they're kind of different. So the fertile window is kind of this four, five, six day range that's kind of around ovulation. So when the follicle gets released, when the egg gets released, the egg will only survive for 24 hours. The fertile window, though, is because sperm can live inside of us for up to five days. So I can have sex with my husband on day 12, ovulate on day 14. And because of what I had sex on day 12, that led to conception. And so we can teach women if they know that they can do the basal body temperature or luteinizing hormones. So that's kind of the, the low expense, I guess, if you will, testing that you can pee on these testing strips and they'll tell you when you get the spike of the luteinizing hormone. Clinically, I like getting the quantitative measurement versus just a positive ovulation test kit or a negative test kit. So some of the testing kits on the market for ovulation just say positive or peak, but they don't say how high that peak is. So I have some patients that they might be peaking, but it's really not a good robust level of luteinizing hormone. So there's various degrees of, of quantitative devices out there. But my new favorite now is called the Myra or the Mira, because those testing kits can not only tell luteinizing hormone, but estrogen and progesterone, but then you can also get that follicle stimulating hormone. And so now we can track them over a 28 day cycle. So some women, it's just good that they can track on their own. So they know when that ovulation window is and when that fertile zone would be which I think is helpful. But like when my daughter, when she gets her period, I want to be able to teach her this cycle so that she knows from an athletic standpoint, so she doesn't get injured, but also from a body injury and recovery standpoint too. So I think what CJ is kind of wrapping up there is there are, as far as other alternatives to birth control is there are barrier methods, multiple of them. Thank you. There is this, some people call it natural family planning but it's basically tracking your cycle and knowing the ovulation cues. So one of them is temperature. One of them is testing luteinizing hormone. One of them might be checking your cervical mucus. Again, things that you kind of need to make girls okay with because they're going to, if they get to learn from the internet, most of the time they're going to 
be told that that's weird or gross or whatever. And I always say like those same girls were truly just like picking their nose like three years before this. So it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> it's, they were just gross, <laughs> you know? So in really with the temperature thing, I also think if you can count on a girl to wake up and take a pill every morning, she can also take her temperature in the morning. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think it's the same thing. It will travel with her to a sleepover like a pill pack would or whatever. So there's more to the cycle tracking and that kind of stuff. But I agree with CJ. And that's a thing that I totally want my girls to understand is like, there's a pattern to this. It does take a couple of years to regulate. So if it's not perfect right now, that's fine. That's kind of the thing is it, it takes time. So that's a whole nother pregnancy prevention in itself. And then we get a ton of questions about copper IUDs because people do want to know, you know, is there a non-hormone option? So how a copper IUD works, however, is that its goal is to create enough inflammation in the uterine lining so that a pregnancy doesn't can't happen and doesn't want to be there. Steph, you might agree, but like a lot of the issues you are helping people with is just taming the inflammation in their body so that they can get out of an autoimmune disease or get out of pain or, you know, some chronic issue that they've had for a super long time is just like, how can we put the fire out and get as much inflammation gone as possible? Well, that copper IUD, because there are no hormones, its goal is just to stir up as much inflammation as it can without getting kicked out of the body so that no one wants to live there. So just making that uterus inhabitable. And like I said, we get that question at every talk. We get it constantly of just, you know, is there like a least bad in my answer is kind of like you kind of have to pick your poison if you do want to go on a birth control. So maybe that means you try some stuff and it doesn't work out and you try something else. CJ has talked about like the low dose progestin maybe being the least disruptive. I think that's, I, I don't know enough to argue one way or the other, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I think everybody has a different genetic makeup, obviously, so that there's going to be one least bad fit for everybody. Totally agreed. Gosh, I want to pack like, unpack like 10 things there. But I would agree for most people, I think the low dose like progestin only pill is okay. You do need to think about that individual's genetic like clotting risk. I mean, there's a lot that can go into that decision, including the anticipated length of, you know, the use of that. So for some people, if they're going to have one IUD, that's it. They, you know, they're going to have an IUD, maybe three, maybe five years. And they really don't. And that's the only time they've ever been on birth control. They're otherwise healthy. They don't foresee long-term use. Am I okay with an IUD once? Yeah, I think that's okay for some people. I would agree with copper um, causing problems. I used to recommend that. I mean, like years ago, I used to recommend that as a non-hormone option. And then I started seeing elevated copper levels in patients. And I saw a lot more elevated estrogen levels, heavier bleeding. So for many people, the copper IUD actually worsens symptoms because before they had light cycles, now they have heavy cycles, they're estrogen dominant, and they have high copper. I do see for those, if listeners are in that situation, there is still hope uh, for many of my patients who the copper ID is removed from, were able to get the copper levels down and, you know, reduce heaviness of cycles and whatnot. But I, I've seen a lot of challenges with the copper IUD. So I'm not a huge fan of that. But again, you have to take one's individual kind of risk factors into consideration with the best decision for them. In regards to kind of what you were saying, what we both were saying with natural family planning, I think we all, I mean, we should just be taught this in school. Like this should be, you know, more thoroughly discussed. So women do understand um, when well, they are. And how baffling that like you got through all the schooling you have done. CJ's gotten through all of her schooling. I got through all of my schooling. 
not one of us was taught in that whole time. Like, here's how you track your personal cycle. <laughs> you got taught like in the extended schooling right. that we had here, are the phases of the cycle, right. right? And here, but it was never like, here's how this directly applies to you. Let you know, let's get some personal knowledge. Here's how it applies to getting pregnant. Like that applicable part never happened in all of our combined years of schooling. Like that is just, and that should be like <laughs> middle school. I'll tell you one, and I remember, I mean, as I was trying to achieve a pregnancy, one thing that, because I did some Creighton method charting and whatnot, I was never, never taught about cervical mucus. Like, hello, you can't, back to what you were saying, CJ, just about the egg actually surviving in the cervical mucus, right? What You have to have cervical mucus for the egg to survive that long. And many women don't have any cervical mucus, which actually is a huge plug for N-acetylcysteine. I heavily use that in my patients who are trying to conceive because it's great for sinus infections, right? For respiratory issues. to thin the viscosity of the secretion here. But guess what? It also will thin cervical mucus. And you want that egg white, really stretchy consistency. That's the best over an inch, right? From a fertility standpoint. So yeah, cervical mucus was never brought up in any of my training that I remember. And that's a huge gauge for women. Um, Back to tracking temperatures also. Um, There's an answer to the maybe the parent who says, well, my daughter won't check her basal body temperature, although she is thoroughly capable. There are devices, biohacking devices like the Aura Ring. I've been wearing this for probably five years. I don't even know. I don't have to check my basal body temperature. This just checks it every single day, right? These are affordable devices that last for... I've had this years and still, knock on wood, right? Working just fine. So then I can combine things like the basal body temperature from here, the cervical mucus. I've I've used the Mira tracker for years as well. So I can see that LH surge. I can see my estrogen go up, it go down. I can see if I ovulated based on the progesterone, you know, subsequent progesterone rise. I would say it's becoming a lot easier for women to kind of take back that power and that control of knowing their cycles and their fertile window. And I think I will say this, it's easier for women who have regular cycles. It can be much more difficult for patients with PCOS Patients whose cycles are, you know, every three months, whatnot, that's kind of a more complicated conversation. But for women who have regular cycles, it's becoming a lot easier for us to use natural family planning, either to conceive or to not conceive, right, as a non-hormone method of, of birth control. So I think that was great discussion. I'm trying to think if there was something else I wanted to mention on that. Stephanie, do you think between like all of your work just with patients, though, and in practice that like your aura ring and these wearable devices, do you feel like it's helped empower almost like our intuitive sense that now you don't even need your ring to tell you that you're like, Oh, I know I'm ovulating Mm -hmm. because it's helped you kind of cue in to a little bit more of like, Oh, I'm really stressed out. I don't know if I ovulated this month or like, have you been able to see that in, in various patients? Yeah. I mean, I just love data. I'm kind of addicted to it. I know some people get frustrated. Like if their sleep score is bad, they're like, I don't even want to see it because then they get discouraged. So like, I think there are pros and cons for, you know, these sort of devices, but for me, yes. I mean, I can pretty much wake up now and know like, okay, that was not a good night's sleep. Probably have a poor sleep score. My heart rate variability probably sucks. And yes, I, I think I'm now to the point where I can many times, I don't know, kind of predict the number I'm going to see in the morning. But I just, I mean, I'm addicted. First thing in the morning, I wake up, I connect my device to my phone. I see my, you know, my, what is it? My resilience score, whatever. I forgot what it's called. Your readiness. Um, readiness score to kind of uh-huh. say, okay, can I go for a run this morning or should I take it easy? Like I, I listen to those cues. I, I think they're important. So I do think it has empowered me. I do like that information, but I can see how for certain personalities, it may create more anxiety. So I think kind of depends on the, on the person. Well, and even knowing that too, like the thing that's best for me about that aura ring is 
like, I don't need to be told to work out. That's not an issue for me. I need to be told to sit down. And I think CJ mentioned at the very beginning, men operate on a 24-hour cycle. They can wake up, do the same exercise, have the exact same plan to their day, go to bed at the same time, like mm-hmm. every single day. They can do that. But uh, as a female, you cannot. And, you know, there that week that you are menstruating, you need to go in your cave and take more naps and you aren't going to hit a PR and you probably shouldn't work out every day. You should take more rest days. And, and you should um, definitely not fast also during those You times. should definitely just, not yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> you need to consume nutrients and, you know, refill your body. But so not only like using a device like that, or, you know, how many teenagers have an Apple watch, but knowing that they didn't do anything wrong if they have three days in a row where, mm-hmm. yeah, their score is rough, that that's probably perfectly designed to tell them like, hey, but these are the three days where you lay low. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that is, that's the advantage. And then if they know that, then they, you know, like, hey, in a week, your score is going to jump up super high. And for them that week, you're going to be, you know, beast at whatever you want to do. And that's really fine. So just that's, it's also how do you read it and read it well, knowing your design versus a male design. What I like about the wearables, like what I've witnessed in practice is that I have a lot of high resilient women. um, And I love it. I'm motivated by um, what these women have done and accomplished in life. But a lot of times I'll ask them like, Hey, are you stressed out? And they're like, not at all. Why? You know, and I'm like, well, based on what you told me, I don't mean to project, but I think that's kind of stressful, but they've been so disconnected and they've powered through. And I'll convince them to either get like a Garmin watch or an aura ring. And you know, and after they get a couple, you know, weeks worth of data, like, hey, turns out I'm stressed. Here's my high <laughs> stress reading. And yeah. and they didn't know because that's yeah. just been such a day-to-day. They're like, this is always how I've operated. But now that they have that feedback, it's kind of given them that gentle permission of your heart rate variability is a very, very specific measurement. And it's, you know, between the sympathetic and parasympathetic. And it's showing that your body can't get into that rest and digest state. If we can't get into that rest and digest state, hello, we cannot make our hormones. They're made at night, manufactured at night. So, gee, I wonder what's like messing up this whole cascade from sleep quality mm-hmm. to your, you've overpowered your own awareness of you've got a lot going on. So true. And I, I I believe, I didn't want to say this word on the podcast, but I'm going to say it. So I believe CJ, you told me you saw before you had COVID, your heart rate variability tank yeah. like the day before. Yeah. Like you saw that. And I, I recently had this halo face laser done and I was told by a colleague, oh, your heart rate variability will tank the whole week after because you basically are frying your face. And I said, and I was like, okay. And it did. I mean, it didn't tank like to the degree, like if I was sick, it didn't tank, but it did go down. And I thought, Oh my gosh, but I'm like recovering from this wound, which I self-inflicted. Then now my skin looks better and I'm glad I did it. I don't think it was dangerous to do, but it's just interesting to take that into consideration. Like, yeah, I shouldn't go, you know, run five miles. I just had this procedure done and, and yeah, my, my biotracking device is telling me it's time to take it easy. So that's the strength of all these, of this wearable tech is that we, it just gives us more information and we get to choose what to do with it. A wide and complex variety of B vitamins are essential for the body to convert food into cellular energy. Unfortunately, we don't get as many as we need from our diets. Additionally, certain medications like metformin and birth control drugs can hinder our body's ability to get B vitamins from our diets. When this happens, we can become vitamin B deficient. This can be problematic as our bodies use these vitamins for a variety of biological processes. One of the key roles of B vitamins is to serve as prime cofactors for the Krebs cycle, the biochemical pathway responsible for maintaining energy production. When this suffers, we don't quite make the same energy we once had. Low B vitamins can lead to feelings of fatigue, weakness, low mood, headaches, and even PMS. 
Supplementing with B vitamins is a very easy way to introduce these essential vitamins back into our systems. But you want to avoid synthetic B vitamins like cyanocobalamin and folic acid that many bodies can't convert to the active forms and instead opt for methyl or hydroxylcobalamin options for B12 and methylfolate for B9. These are easier for your body to absorb and use, especially if you have MTHFR variants. We carry capsule and sublingual B vitamins named Methyl B Complex and Sublingual Methyl Bs on our website. Use code B vitamins for 10% off at yourlongevityblueprint.com. A few more questions here. I want to go back to kind of, I think, maybe what I was saying that we took a couple tangents off of like, Let's go back to why, what are some other solutions for patients who are coming in, maybe just wanting help with their painful periods or their acne, right? What are some non-birth control answers to patients who are experiencing kind of hormone imbalances, if that makes sense, right? So they're seeking, maybe they, they're, they would seek out birth control from their conventional doc, but what could they seek out from providers like yourselves? And then I'll, I'll comment on this too. Yeah, I think that, and CJ has more functional medicine training than I do. So her answer, I think is going to be more in depth, but I honestly have really good luck with supplement called FemQuil from Zymogen. It has done super well. It's not that it's for everybody, but man, it's like a very low invasive and low cost place to start if especially for difficult periods or endometriosis, PCOS, things like that. And that has been super helpful getting the inflammation dialed down with food sensitivities or food testing. That's a big deal. And just like you had mentioned before, getting your gut working properly, because if your hormones are off because you aren't getting rid of excess hormones, you aren't eliminating appropriately. So those are places I would start, but also checking to make sure they aren't malnourished with other labs or, um, you know, if they've never been on a multivitamin, I always kind of offer, you know, along those lines of informed consent, I'm like, we can spend the money and run the labs. I'm, I'm game for it. We can also do a guess and check. It's just obviously there are pros and cons to each of those. So people are really tight with the budget. I would say like, I don't mind doing the kind of guess and check off of what, a very educated guess, right? Off of what I've seen and what I know, but you can go that route too and just try and fill their nutrients up, especially with like a teenager that isn't eating well, you know, doesn't eat breakfast and then eats like takeout or fast food for lunch or something like that. And then is too busy in the evenings to eat a real dinner. Like, yeah, they're probably missing some stuff there. So those are the big, big three for me, I think. Yeah, for me, I feel like just number one, off the, uh, if they have a messed up period, go to the gut first, right? Gut and sleep. And so sometimes too, it's just the reality check of the sleep hygiene of their... Um, a friend of mine texted me this article when COVID kind of happened and everybody was on lockdown. There was this like... They called it a sleep revolt that parents, because their kids were home all day, would they would finally get them to bed and then they would like stay up because they had a long quiet time. And it was like this sleep revolt that parents weren't going to bed until like midnight or one in the morning because that's when they had quiet space in the house. But I think just like the sleep hygiene in general, I mean, we're addicted to the blue screen, we're addicted to the TV show and we just don't, we're, we've fallen away from discipline of really honoring like we need to get to sleep and make it a priority. And so between checking in with them on the sleep hygiene and seeing if they need to set some healthy boundaries up and then the food sensitivity. So then there's always kind of like what Hannah said, like the guess and check if food sensitivity isn't realistic or in the budget, then it's like, all right, you need to go 30 days gluten-free, dairy-free. And then if sugar is a problem, we might throw that trifecta in there as well. You know, if they self-admit, yeah, I have a sugar problem. And sometimes people don't realize they have a sugar problem. Sometimes I'll ask people, I'm like, hey, I want you to do a food journal for seven days. And they find out that before 8 a.m., they've had 
75 grams of sugar between their, what they thought was healthy breakfast and, you know, a healthy shake turns out was jam packed with a ton of sugar. So I think that, and then honestly, the iron deficiency in women, especially bleeding women is so common. So usually like an iron pill and a methyl D. And it's not that I like that before the uh, foundation multivitamin. It's I like that because it's probably going to give them symptom relief first where they might not see as much symptom relief on the multivitamin. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I want to comment on both of those things, but I want to just go back also to like when a patient presents saying, oh, I have hormone related acne and the doctor is recommending birth control, like for at least from my standpoint, I always explore if it actually is hormone related acne, right? We can check hormone levels to see if that's the case. However, many times it is just due to inflammation and poor gut health, like you're saying. So examining which foods, like you're saying, run food sensitivity testing or take them off gluten and dairy to figure out if that's what's triggering the acne. Well, great. That will improve their overall health, just changing their diet in general and prevent the birth control. Or if let's say they really are having heavy bleeding, so they obviously need the iron. Why do they have heavy bleeding, right? Do they have high estrogen? If that's the case, putting them on a birth control pill with estrogen in it is not really going to help. I mean, it it may actually help, but it's going to further worsen that estrogen dominance in that individual. So exploring why they have the estrogen dominance. Are they a poor detoxifier? Are they not pooping? What kind of personal care products are they using? I I just, that makes me want to cry what I used to put on my body. I used to go to Bath and Body Works and, you know, get just slather on all the toxic stuff. I had so many chemical hair straighteners. I mean, I guarantee all of the, that toxic burden that I, again, self-inflicted, but I also don't have the best detoxification genes led to the endometriosis that I had. But no one was connecting those dots for me. Like now I can reflect back and see the progression. But in that moment, no one was connecting those dots. So for mothers who are listening, right, when your daughters are complaining of some of these symptoms, rather than just jump for the birth control, let's try to connect these dots. Let's try to figure out why they're having the acne or the, the heavy periods, whatnot. I think fragrance and our heavily heavy use of plastics doesn't help. I think living in Iowa with herbicides and pesticides floating around in the air, right? That doesn't help. Just eating organic can be beneficial. There are just a lot of things, even including reducing stress, as you were alluding to, CJ. I've never seen so many wired, anxious teenagers in my life, right? We Even they are needing to do yoga and you know set healthy boundaries and these sort of things that I used to preach to my perimenopausal women. I still am, but I'm also now preaching to the, the younger patient population. but. I want to go back to, I mean, really just the principles in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, right? So whether someone comes in with acne and painful periods, or maybe they come in with headaches or fatigue or diarrhea, I'm walking them through kind of this longevity blueprint, all these functional medicine principles where we are testing for the root cause of the problem. And that's really what sets functional medicine apart is this advanced testing. So we can figure out right the dysfunction in the body and fix that. If we determine a hormone imbalance is present, I think what you were saying, Hannah, is you were recommending some herbal support. I don't know that product off the top of my head, but I do use, especially in young patients, and this is what I took when I was younger as well, I took herbs to help boost progesterone and help lower estrogen, which is really what I I needed. I just needed probably more of them. (laughs) There are herbs to lower androgens. If someone really does have a high DHT, right, high testosterone that's contributing to acne or hair growth, right, if they have PCOS, there are herbal formulations that can help there as well. You know, the summary, a couple more questions here, but the summary of what we're offering today is really there's hope. We need to provide better education, but there's hope for these patients. Birth control is not the only, not the only option. I don't know if you guys want to say anything else on birth control before we go to um, non-toxic feminine care products, but do we, are we done with birth control or are there more things we want to make sure we say on that topic? Well, to echo you and your book with your, your longevity blueprint, Stephanie, is you know, my goal is that my daughter doesn't have 
terrible symptomatic periods, right? And so if we can incorporate so much about what you lay out in the foundational principles in your book, our daughters are more likely to be set up for success that where they're not going to be like, well, what do we do? And this all sounds like a lot of the testing and overwhelming that there could be so many different issues. It's sometimes, again, back to the foundation of what functional medicine is, is diet, lifestyle, and, and that cascade. So our goal is, is that our kids don't have and their friends and our nieces and nephews don't have the symptom cascade that you and I and Hannah grew up in the Bath Body Works generation, you know, th- things that we just didn't know at the time. Now that we know better, hopefully we can help for the younger generation. Absolutely. No better, do better. So I think part of my problem also with my heavy cycles, I was using these chlorine soaked tampons, which were just really contributing to the problem, which I clearly no longer use. But what are some of your favorite non-toxic feminine care products also? Because as we're talking about, you know, periods and cycles, we let's, let's kind of um, delve into that. Yeah, I'd say anything that is yes, no chlorine on it. I personally will order from Tampon Tribe, which is just like there it's nothing but organic cotton. And I'm kind of hippie as far as like sustainability stuff. So like the packaging is all compostable, that whole deal. And yeah, they come wrapped in like little like not tweed, burlap. They come in like burlap bags, which I'm like, yeah, I'll just rip them up and put them in my garden because that's how I roll. But yeah, I do not. A lot of, I think a cup is a great option. A cup or a disc, if you can find um, those, they do have disposable discs as well as like reusable discs that kind of function as a cup too. So it's basically like a silicone cup that you can wash out and reuse. I personally haven't like found my best fit for that yet, but there's also like period underwear. So the Thinks company, the T-H-I-N-X, I think there are also several of those now too. They don't have like a corner on the market on those anymore, but, and I think it doesn't have to be one, one or nothing, you know what I mean? Or all or nothing. It can be, um, you can use this blend of a couple different things, especially if you know your flow is like really heavy for one day and then kind of find the rest of the time or something like that. So, and I think the cup can be a little tricky too, for like girls in high school who are in a bathroom and are like, how do I wash this out in the bathroom and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the direction I would go is just, can you find something? Yeah. That is not bleach. Absolutely no fragrance at all. And that even just the skin down there. So say it was like a pad and not a tampon, even the skin of the perineum is like one of the most vascular areas of all time. So you're just wishing that stuff right into your bloodstream, unfortunately. CJ, I know you've had more luck with the cup situation. Yeah, I absolutely, I love the cup, but like traveling, I'll then I'll do the organic tampons just because it's easier. But I look from the sustainability standpoint of that creating more trash and more waste that it's reusable. It's really easy in, um, to clean and wash. But um, again, if you're out and have to go to use the restroom in public places, like high school bathroom, it's not maybe as ideal. Um, on lighter days too, um, it's a lot easier that you can change it in the stall and just bring like a makeup, like a non-toxic makeup wipe too that you can use in the stall. So there there are options, but even the panty liners, you know, too, we have to really watch those labels. I had used Lola for quite a while. And to my understanding there, I, 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 the paper, I guess it looks biodegradable, whatnot, certainly organic non-chlorine soaked. So yes, great tips here. I also, we haven't really gone there yet. And I know we're, I'll wrap up the show because we've been talking for quite a while here, but I would say for women coming off birth control pills, everything we are saying 
still applies to you. We still need to fix your gut and replete nutritional deficiencies and reduce stress and detox the body, right? All of these principles apply to one coming off birth control as well. Are there any quick tips either of you want to mention to a woman coming off birth control? The liver detox. Liver detox, yeah. You know, and two, depending on the family history or the genetics, if there's high, 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 high risk of cancers, any type of cancers, they should probably do that liver detox for like 21 to 28 days. And then, you know, they can do a lot of that more that metabolic testing to see like, okay, what is your estrogen load to see if they don't need to do it again in in three months. I mean, you don't want to keep detoxing without taking a break by any means, but what they can do to support their body. And and then two, I'm like, if they're coming off and I'm like, all right, then let's have you come off and do the liver detox, eat clean, you know, solid for a good 30 days. And then we can get a baseline of where you at, complete thyroid with the antibodies, a lot of the inflammatory markers, and then the estrogen and progesterone, along with the testosterone, which is big in your wheelhouse stuff. Yep. It's the time of year where many of my patients are ready to detox, cleanse, reset, whatever you want to call it. It's great to set goals with exercise and clean eating, but I'm going to be honest, you likely need more than that. At home, you likely are changing your furnace filters every quarter, and you likely change the oil on your car with regular maintenance as well. But What are you doing for your body regularly to get rid of toxins you've accumulated? Each year, the average person is exposed to 14 pounds of pesticides, herbicides, food additives, and preservatives. It's important to periodically restore your body's ability to cleanse itself and eliminate these toxins. Think of your liver as a glass of water. If you keep on pouring in the water, the glass will eventually get full and overflow. Similarly, our livers over our lifetime may accumulate a large amount of toxins, and those livers may need some assistance to clear them out. How can you help your liver? In short, consider a strategically designed, researched, structured liver cleanse program to help with phase 1 and phase 2 detox pathways. A program with ingredients like beet, artichoke, dandelion, milk thistle, and alpha-lipoic acid, which help your liver and gallbladder purge toxins, and then a fiber protein powder to bind these toxins so you can eliminate them. In my practice, I often recommend the Core Restore program, and I dedicated episode 43 entirely to it. The kit comes with day-by-day instructions on exactly how to change your lifestyle, how you eat, and what supplements to take. Staying healthy can be difficult, which is why simple cleanses like the Core Restore program can help you to get back on track and pilot you into better behaviors. Please don't start this program if you have active gallstones or diabetes without consulting with your medical provider, and this is also not for those who are pregnant or nursing. From personal experience, this type of program will help you feel better, lose weight, release stored toxins, and benefit your entire body. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code LIVERDETOX for 10% off either chocolate or vanilla Core Restore products. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm glad you mentioned the estrogen metabolism testing, because I was going to kind of wrap up the show mentioning that. But uh, to tie into that point, my last question for you ladies is really what your preferred means for detecting female hormone imbalances is. So our, just as far as like hormone testing, is that something that you ladies are doing much of? I can, I'll say my piece here on that at the end, but. Yeah, Stephanie, because we're so lucky that we practice in your town, we do very minimum because once we see, so like a day 21 estrogen progesterone ratio, if we're going to run it at a local lab, we have done the Dutch testing, which will do some of the estrogen Mm -hmm. metabolites. But typically if we see that they're so out of whack, then they get on your books and we hand it off to you. I'm happy to help. Happy to help you. (laughs) I'll just put a plug in here for patients. uh, Echoing back to how you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, CJ, you wish before patients went on birth control, we could test their hormone levels, right? I think that is super important, right? Testing early in life. 
It's easy to test hormone levels in the blood. Sometimes we need to test in saliva. Sometimes we need to test in urine. And I have other episodes talking about that one episode where we talk about the Dutch test. The entire episode is on the Dutch test. So I encourage listeners to listen to that. I will post a link in the show notes. But essentially what, what you were alluding to, CJ, was looking at how the liver is clearing out excess estrogen. So they're, the only way to look at metabolism or elimination is through urine, not through blood. So we actually can, we can see hormone levels, but not how the body's detoxifying those through the blood. We can only see those in the urine. And so if a patient has been on birth control a long time, and potentially if they don't have the best genes and the best lifestyle, right, we may see some unfavorable hormone metabolites on that test. So that can be altered using nutritional principles like the B vitamins you mentioned, using DIM, which is an extract from cruciferous vegetables, using things like glutathione and other antioxidants. So I love the urine hormone metabolism testing because I do think it gets to the root cause of fibroids and cysts and cancers and endometriosis and whatnot. So that is something that if you're listening and you would like that test to be run and you're a patient at the clinic, certainly call and we can get that test run on you. But there are a couple different companies that run it. The Dutch test we were alluding to is through Precision Analytical. They don't bill insurance. It's cash-based lab, but it's an awesome, awesome test for hormones and cortisol and hormone metabolism. So yay. Well, as we wrap up the show here, ladies, I want to ask where listeners can find both of you. We practice in the same building and we sometimes share patients. Like if you start with one of us and we don't think it's the right fit, we can send it right across the waiting room. It's all good. But we practice at a clinic called Back in Line in Hiawatha, Iowa. And our website is mybackinline.com. And our Instagram is also mybackinline. Awesome. Awesome. I want to conclude the show as I always do asking each of you your top longevity tip. But before I do that, I do want to give you one last opportunity. If there's anything else you want to say just on any of this. Well, I think the only thing that is missing for me is a question that I that we often get is we will have moms desperately bring in their teenage daughters to fix their hormones, but they're not willing to go off of a hormonal birth control. And so I think keep that in mind if you're listening to us kind of like a desperate parent there's no way to fix their hormones while they're on a high dose hormone. So, or a low dose hormone, right? Like their hormones are being changed by that. And there's definitely things we can do to improve their lifestyle around that. But know that going in and asking for like hormone balancing isn't really a thing on that, but we can do other things to hopefully take some of the burdens off of them chemically and emotionally and all that kind of stuff. So it's not that you are, there's nothing to do. It's just, it's, I don't think it's the thing that you're, that they're wanting or that they think they want, I guess <laughs> that's how yeah. I would put it. But yeah. birth control will skew your hormone testing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Guaranteed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie, thank you so much for not only having us on the show, but just having the dialogue, uh, what you see in practice. And um, it's just, I love having this conversation. I want to keep having it over and over again. And thank you for what you do. Thank you for being the one that introduced me to functional medicine. It's changed my life personally and professionally. I, I can't imagine where I would be without it. So I appreciate you in our life and in our community. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate you guys as well, having you around, especially to see kiddos also. So tell me each of your top longevity tips. Oh, I think that mine is learning how to change the mindset of like things going wrong in your health to just gain perspective that that your body is trying to learn something new or that you need to learn something new or that that there's a lesson in it. So for instance, like when people get sick or say like, I only get sick when it's my day off. It's like, yeah, because your body finally has time to chill out. 
and it let its guard down for a day and it needs kind of like an update. Like I love how uh, I'm a huge Zach Bush fan and he describes like catching a virus as it's like your body is upgrading its software. Like you literally have to integrate parts of that viral DNA into your body. That's how you, your body evolves and learns how to do new things, you know, reframing things like sick days of like, Oh my gosh, I'm so broken. I can't believe I got sick again. Or it's like, man, I really needed some downtime so that my body could upgrade so I could be better in the future. And I mentioned it before, but using that mindset to let your kids in your family know that they're not faulty when something is uncomfortable. So because they have pain during their period doesn't mean it's broken. It's okay. Like it, it, it might be a sign that they, we need to figure something else out. We need to find a way to support you or you need to take time in your schedule to take a nap or something like that. But approaching it as a learning aspect instead of being one terrified every time something hurts or um, two wanting to shut it down immediately. I don't I think changing those in your brain to more of an opportunity can just be huge of how you treat your health in the long term and yeah, longevity like living being able to live longer because you're not scared and you're not broken. She talks so much more eloquent than I do. It's really lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Give yourself more credit, but yeah, I agree. She's done a good job. No, honestly, when I when I reflect on that, I love this time of year um, as we kick off the new year. So of intentions and mindset. So then I have to self reflect on um, what am I doing wrong that does need to be shifted. That what am I doing wrong that's affecting my health negatively? And it's so silly how simple sleep, breath work, and water is. And so it's kind of like the, the rule of eight eight hours of sleep, eighty ounces of water, eight minutes of prayer, breath work for that longevity that, you know, there's so much that we can quick run to the wearable technologies or the really nice expensive supplements and do all this stuff. And it's like, man, if we just get back to the basics, it's really funny how if we just honored those three things, that it really would help lower the burden on our overall body and recovery and hormone health and, and especially brain health. Absolutely. I totally agree. Back to the basics. Thank you both so much for all of your time today coming on the show and just advocating for dialogue on how to improve women's health, really starting at a very young age. I, I love that. Really through better informed consent, non-toxic female, uh, or I should say feminine care products, and even advocating for hormone testing. So thank you both so much for the work you do for our community. This was awesome. This was great girl talk. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers to the girl talk. I hope you learned through this series that birth control is not your only option. But if you are on it, there are ways to better support your body while taking it, like by taking a multivitamin, B-complex, fish oil, probiotic, and vitamin D. I'd encourage that you start tracking your cycles. Consider using either a menstrual cup or organic personal care products and see a functional medicine provider who can help you test and optimize your hormones. I agree with CJ that we need to continue to have this conversation. Please share these episodes with a girlfriend and check out the links to products discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and remember... 
Wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.